growing up, we thought that we'd have to go down the traditional path of, you know, go to school, get a job, just do what our parents did. And when we had that moment in student works painting where we were actually running the business, but not, we didn't even have to be physically present for that income to keep coming in and for our painters to do great jobs and having our clients be really happy. At one point we even went on a canoe trip and that to me was just mind blowing for me that I could be in the middle of a forest making money. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 20, with your hosts, Matt and Kellen. In the On Fire Podcast, we discuss financial independence, real estate investing, frugality, minimalism, and living within your means. One of the things that's been kind of on our minds recently is the end of the year is wrapping up. 2019 goals are kind of upon all of us. And so one of our goals for 2019 is to get you guys to leave us a review if you haven't done that already. So feel free to do that, but otherwise get to that goal setting. Today's guests were Matt and Cassidy. These guys are true entrepreneurs. They're a young power couple that invest in real estate, they host events, and they're always exploring new business opportunities. There's something that's just very inspiring about these two. I love their energy. Every time I'm in their presence, I just find myself getting excited, amped up, and thinking more creatively and about more opportunities and ideas. I definitely found that to be the case in this interview as well, so. Yeah, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. All right, so welcome to the show, Matt and Cassidy. Hey, guys. Great to be here and we, uh, yeah, really appreciate you having us. Awesome. So we'll just, we'll dive into this more later, but the last year has been pretty eventful for you guys. Do you mind just kind of uh, giving us a synopsis of what you've been up to in 2018 and a little bit earlier? Yeah, definitely. So at the beginning of the year, we decided to go on a three month trip to India. We, uh, we had a blast there at one of our friend's weddings And from there, we decided to keep traveling, went up to the Himalayas. We had just a really great time with uh, with a lot of fantastic people. And we came back. That was uh, actually the time that we met both of you at at your event there, Matt, at OREC. And uh, ever since then, just the people that we've been meeting, it seems like there's a lot of those coincidences that just keep happening. And our life is completely different from where it was uh, just a year ago. And it, it all happens through meeting the right people. Yeah, we decided at the beginning of the year that 2018 was going to be an epic year. So it has been. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, I mean, you guys have been traveling and all that stuff. How did you get to that point? So if we went back to the roots, what was something like, where did you first discover the idea of financial independence? Sure. So it really went back to in university. So Matt and I, just to give you background on us, we met in high school and we started dating when we were 16 almost well nine years ago now so i met on the high school school bus (laughs) and (laughs) yeah and then we went away to university together at university of guelph and there matt actually got the opportunity to work with a student painting company to run his own student painting business over the first summer Yeah, so I was in calculus class one day and somebody just shows up at the front of the room and says, hey, everybody, how would you like to have an awesome summer job this summer? You'll learn how to market, how to sell, how to run your own business, and hey, you might even make 15,000 bucks. Back then, that was just music to my ears. I was like, that sounds really exciting. It's something new. It can make, you know, it's potential to make lots of money. And it was also a challenge because, you know, when you run your own business, there's no sure thing. So what we did is we just went full force into it. And yeah, Cass and I, that year, we worked really hard. We uh, had some really great people helping us out and ended up running one of the largest painting companies in Canada through Student Works Painting. 
And it was at that point that we discovered that there was an alternative. See, you know, growing up, we thought that we'd had to go down the traditional path of, you know, go to school, get a job, just do what our parents did. And when we had that moment in student works painting where we were actually running the business, but not, we didn't even have to be physically present for that income to keep coming in and for our painters to do great jobs and having our clients be really happy. At one point we even went on a canoe trip and that to me was just mind blowing for me that I could be in the middle of a forest making money and that turned us on to business. So the next semester was a very hard one knowing that that was out there. So uh, we actually took the plunge and in our third semester uh, dropped out of university much uh, to the, you know, joy of our parents. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys mind if we pause there and maybe just yeah. discuss that a bit further? Because I'm sure a lot of our audience members can just imagine the reactions their friends and families would have at such a young age if they were to, say, drop out university to pursue an entrepreneurial endeavor. So how did you break the news to your family and how did they react? Well, it's a little different situation with my family and with Matt's family. Because <laughs> I'm the oldest, she's the youngest. So. Yeah, I'm the youngest of four siblings and my older siblings have all done interesting and very different things. So it's a little easier breaking that news to <laughs> my parents. <laughs> my parents, I've learned how to you know, sell an idea pretty well to them. I know there, it takes a lot of warming up to get on board an idea. And so me, I was dropping hints along the way. We knew like right after we finished student works that we, for our first year, that we weren't going to be pursuing school much further. So I started just dropping little hints like, uh, you know, I might be thinking about taking a bit of time off school. You know, this business thing went really well. I'd love to do it full time next year. And uh, from there, I uh, just got a little more and more serious. And that was kind of the approach I took with them too when they were our first investors on, on our property. So I did a very similar kind of thing. I know they need a bit of warming up to ideas, but once they saw what we were able to do and just you know the kind of lifestyle that we're now bringing into focus, they're finally getting behind that idea. And it was kind of like you know we had an alternative. It wasn't like we were giving up on school. We actually really enjoyed school for the most part. I mean, we both love to learn and we both were really good students, but we just didn't see the direction that was taking us being the one we wanted to take. So we showed them the alternative, like we want to get into business. Look, we've had some success in business. And we also made it a temporary thing, like we're just going to take some time off, which was kind of how it was for us too, because we wanted to take some time off, run it, run our business for another year to see if that's the direction we really wanted to go. And once we did, we realized, yes, for sure, it's what we want to do. So since then, you guys have really gotten a lot into real estate investing. And I mean, what happened with the painting business? Did you guys, did, did you jump into that full-time right out of school? Or how did you get into from, from that point to where you guys are now? Yeah, so in our second year, we went full-time with the painting business. And at that point, I just read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I decided, hey, I want that to be my textbook for uh, how I'm going to run my business this year. So I actually set it up in kind of a unique way. We've done student works painting three times, and each time came back with you know a different intention for the business. So for the second year, it was all about automating that business. Yeah, see how we can if we can be away from the city and still have our business running. So in August of that year is actually 
our first was our first stab at being nomadic. We left our apartment in August while our painting business was still running full scale, and we packed everything in a backpack and did kind of an Ontario tour. Went to a few music festivals, did some camping, and all the while we were managing our business from a distance, and it all worked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and since we did drop out of school again we love to learn and we've never stopped that continuous pursuit of knowledge we just decided we wanted to learn about things on our own agenda so the whole time too we're instead of going to buy textbooks at the university we're going to go buy self-development and business books from chapters so we had a pretty nice budget because each year textbooks are like a couple thousand bucks we're like let's go spend a couple thousand bucks of chapters (laughs) and we yeah learned a lot from that and so the whole time we were almost self-educating ourselves on business at the same time as running that and that it was about the period of time that got us interested in real estate too so being one of the top people in the company we got pretty close with the president and the vice president and audience might even know uh, Corey McKinnon he's a really great guy and really strong real estate investor in London, Ontario. He was actually a pretty big mentor for me, both in the painting business and also as in the realtor, in the real estate side. So it was really big motivation for me seeing that when he was in his mid thirties, he actually retired from student works painting as, as the vice president. It was, I, I went up to him, talked, talked to him and he said, yeah, you know, I really just want to spend more time with my family. My wife's about to have our first kid. And yeah, he just wanted to really just be there for his family. That was a huge eye opener for me because I had never, I'd never knew anybody personally that retired so young. And when I asked him a little more about it, he said, check out real estate. He, at that point, I think owned 11 properties and he's got a bunch more now. And he was teaching me or basically giving me the uh, materials that I needed to go forward with real estate. So it started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said, go to the seminars. And so it was around our second year of university or sorry, second year of student works painting that we decided to really give real estate a chance. Yeah. So we did end up doing some Rich Dad seminars. Yeah, we actually spent the majority of our profits from our painting business on the real estate. So we knew we were we were all in. I, I'm looking back. I can't say that the information necessarily was worth the, the fifteen thousand bucks, but the environment and the people that we met there, and also just the the motivation to really apply this knowledge, I'd say was was really invaluable. So at the time, it was a very scary thing to do because I had you know, never had that 15,000 bucks in my life before. And then we're spending it all on these courses. So we just went, uh, we realized this was something that was important for us and we kind of went, uh, went all in, so to say. Let, let's talk about that a little more. Cause I mean, we've heard both sides of things. Sometimes people will take these courses and they're like, that was a huge waste of money. Or, and sometimes they're like, that was amazing. And I mean, what do you think it is that first of all, would you recommend other people do this? And are you guys still doing this yourselves? Well, So at the time we were 18 or maybe 19 when we did the rich dad seminars. So we were like, you know, we didn't have, we had one year experience in our painting business. We didn't know anything about real estate and we also didn't know any real estate investors. Like we didn't know anyone except for Corey McKinnon. We didn't know anyone else who actually invested in real estate. So no one in our family or friends. So for us, I think it was, it was really valuable because it just expanded our mind to what was possible. 
And it taught us like at the time we didn't have money to invest in real estate. So we learned about how to use other people's money, right? How to, how to do joint ventures, how to do wholesaling, all those different things. And I think with it, it just, it's not necessarily that we learned exactly how to do everything, but we got this kind of idea of all the different things that are possible, which got us thinking and moving in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything really comes down to perspective on how, how you look at it. So this, the same person could be in that same course and be like, wow, that was a waste of money. You know, 5,000 bucks per weekend here to listen to this guy try and sell us more stuff. But we were there to really soak it up and knowing that that was, you know, basically all the money that we had, it was our only way in order to not keep running a painting business, which, you know, every single year loved coming back to the painting business, learned a lot, but I knew that wasn't, you know, the be all and end all. So by going all into the real estate, we, we made it our, really our only focus and we made sure that we had skin in the game. And the, the people now that we're starting to reconnect with, it's, uh, it's really cool, actually, even at, uh, at ORAC at the events, we've found some people that we've went to our first Rich Dad, Poor Dad seminar with. And it's really cool to kind of look back and see, see where everybody's come in those, those past six years. And then you also asked about whether we still continue with those things. And we haven't been to any intensive, like, real estate seminar, like real estate specific seminars lately, but we do a lot of personal development. So we've been to Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within twice, which was well, well worth it. Yeah, one of the best seminars. Just so amazing. So good. We've done Landmark Forum, which was life changing. And we went to Brendan Burchard's High Performance Academy. We've done a bunch of JT Fox seminars. So we're always, yeah, Millionaire Mind Intensive. So we really are, we always have some kind of personal development or business seminar scheduled at all times. I don't think there's ever a time when there's not (laughs) one coming up that we're, that we're going to be going to. And that has like, every time I get just another, another level, you know, another shift in mindset, more great connections, just more inspiration to like look at things bigger, right? To, to think yeah. bigger. So it's always that's, so weird. That's something I was hoping to explore a bit more with you guys because this being a financial independence, retired early podcast, I know a lot of people frame a lot of their spending around frugality or scarcity. So the idea of going out and spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on some of these experiences or seminars, at first, I think people will be kind of caught off guard with it. And I know my thought process on it's evolved a lot over the last couple of years myself. So I'd love to know, how do you guys decide which events are right for you? And then how do you try and make sure you get the most value from those events when you're actually attending? And I'll add one other thing. What's like, can you describe what it is exactly the shift in mindset you've had? Maybe maybe something that really stood out at one of the events that you're like, now I think about this differently. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, it started with the first seminar like this that we went to was Landmark, the Landmark Forum, which is really intense, actually. But yeah, basically, you've got 600 people in a room and one microphone at the front. And you've got about 40 hours of just everybody being in the room there for each other, uncovering like the deepest, most hidden parts of the self. And so it's really intense. Yeah, (laughs) but it was also extremely life changing. So what we learned there was just like, that was probably the biggest mindset shift I would say of all of the seminars and kind of got us on the path that we're on now, which was just to, was just uncovering 
the limiting beliefs or uncovering the subconscious beliefs that really like run our lives that that are behind all of the decisions that we make and all of the actions that we take every every decision every everything we say everything we do all stems from some a subconscious belief about ourselves about how the world is about like life in general yeah. yeah so that was extremely powerful to actually uncover some of those things like what am i believing about myself or about life or about the people around me that's affecting the way i show up in the world and the you know the things that i do so like just having those tools has helped us so much in our lives you know to always keep growing and to not let anything stop us to really look yeah. at things yeah objectively without making real quick beliefs or really quick judgments about something to really kind of take a step back and see okay this is my thoughts about what is happening right now and it's kind of yeah let us go a little deeper into our own development and really into cuz what they're all about there is about transformation so it's not about information. That's that's what they they kind of drilled into us. And they said transformation can happen like that. And it's so true. It's like when you change the way that you look at life and the world, things actually show up differently. Like things will look different. People will act differently. And it's it's a bit of both. It's about who we are, how we're seeing it, and also who we are, how we're being will attract other people. And it'll also affect all the interactions that you have with everybody. So that for me was, yeah, just really, really eye-opening to like this whole other world of things I had never heard about or ever thought to learn about. And uh, I think that was one of the decisions to drop out of school too, was, was the fact that there's all these things we could learn about instead. Outside of school, yeah. yeah. And then I would say one of the other really big ones was actually, it's, it's actually a free seminar. So for anyone who's looking for a seminar that's got a big impact that is not going to be expensive. The Millionaire Mind Intensive, we went to. I mean, it's been sold since then, but it's so I don't know if it's still as amazing as it was, but hopefully it is. But that was similar thing, like about kind of examining your limiting beliefs, but it was specifically about money. So that helped a lot because I didn't even realize how many beliefs I had about money and myself making money that were actually holding me back from making any sort of money. Like the simplest example is, you know, in the media, oftentimes in the movies or something as kids or people say, you know, rich people are greedy or something. It's not that rich people are greedy. It's just that is, you know, something that's thrown around kind of jokingly. But at the same time, it's because people, you know, want to justify why they maybe aren't where they would like to be. Yeah. And so that belief, though, subconsciously has a huge impact because, Nobody wants to be a bad person. And if we say that, you know, this was one of my things too, like when we had made all the money, we weren't at a space yet where we could handle a lot of money. And so therefore, our first couple of years of the painting business, we actually didn't walk away with a whole lot because we had actually spent it. And it comes back to that subconscious belief of, you know, I don't want to be a bad person. And so if I want my troubles to go away, or if I want anything to not be impacting me, I guess I just have to get rid of money. And this all happens at a very subconscious level, but it's something that shows up in our lives. Yeah, I grew up with that a little bit myself. I know uh, we didn't grow up in a very wealthy family. So anyone that had larger amounts of money or anything like that, we, you know, my family would sometimes turn their nose at them a bit or assume that they're bad people. And I mean, I think 
Yeah, no, I think it's, it's having that change of mindset's important. You talked about like limiting beliefs. And I think we talk about the idea of like the five people you spend most time with. And I think if you have, if you can, if you can get over these limiting beliefs about yourself, you don't even necessarily need to have the five people around you influencing you or giving you permission. You can, you can start giving yourself permission. So switching things up a little bit. So you guys ended up getting into real estate. What was the first property you got? And, and what, what did the deal look like? Well, let's see. So our first property was yeah, after so, our bike trip. So actually, yeah, we, it took us a couple years to go from learning about real estate to actually implementing it. We ended up coming back for student works for the second year. And then after that, because we were, you know, and then we came back to help do recruiting for the company. And that was, that was a really big grind in itself. So we really wanted a bit of time off. And when we decided to take a bit of time off, we just said, let's just take a lot of time off. And that's, that's been one of our themes that we love doing is traveling, going on adventures. That was nomadic time number two. So we decided to go on a bicycle trip in the U.S. And we gave ourselves no timeline, totally open-ended and no, you know, we didn't even know where we wanted to go. We just started, we started in North Carolina because Matt's family happened to be going on vacation there and they could drop us off there. So we started there and kept going and ended up being a six-month bicycle trip. And we had an amazing time. But the thing was, before we left on our bike trip, when we were working really hard, we had a lot of money coming in, but we had zero free time. When we were on our bike trip, we had all the time in the world, but bank, the bank account, account boom, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> no passive income. So we ended up going back to student works to do a third year because right. we needed to make some money. But that's when we decided, okay, next time we go traveling, we want to come back richer than when we left. And it was that <laughs> moment that we said, okay, it just makes sense. Real estate it is. got to make it happen. Yeah. So learning what we learned from uh, rich dad, poor dad was use other people's money. Like the people that know you well, that like you, that trust you. So immediate friends and family. So I went up to my parents and said, hey, how about we do this? How about we use a line of credit secured against your house and we go buy lots of property and we get rich and wealthy together? And they were like, no way. That's my 20 year old son, are yeah. you crazy? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> so again, I, I kind of worked on that persuasion with my parents and just started dropping hints, started looking at properties, saying, oh yeah, I talked with some great realtors today and we're going to go check out some homes. And then I went to go check out some homes and we would give them the listing and I would put together financial analysis I'm like, hey, look, we can make 25% a year. That sounds pretty good, right? What's, what would your mortgage be? 4%. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's a good, that's a good gap. So just slowly starting to drop the hints. And uh, I think it was a six, four to six month process somewhere in there before they, you know, kicking and screaming, they, they came as, uh, as investors and they'll tell the same story too. Now looking back, they're really glad and really grateful. But for the first little while, it was like pulling teeth a bit, but I was just so confident and convinced that this was a good thing for everybody that I even basically self-insured their mortgage payment. So because they refinanced their personal residence to take out the equity to invest with us. So I said, hey, if the money, the cash flow that we make from these properties isn't enough to cover all of your primary residence, I'll cover whatever that difference is. Because it could have been a foolish thing. And you know, again, I was 20 years old. I thought I could take on the world. But luckily, you know, it's worked out. And it was kind of that, that 
final push that they needed to say, okay, we've got very little risk. You know, he seems to know what he's doing. Sure. You know, let's go for it. So that year we bought three properties. I think within four months? Within four, four or five months. Yeah. Wow. First property was a triplex. And so this is all in Windsor. First property was a triplex. This old thing that needed a lot of work. Apparently it used to be a crack house yeah, is what the, the neighbors, neighbors said. <laughs> the neighbors were very glad that we were buying the place. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second one was another triplex on the same street. And the third one was a rent to own that I put together out in Tilbury. So just jumping into that first one a little bit, just to give some, some numbers and context. So that was the first and I believe the last one that we decided to renovate ourselves. So we ended up spending about $60,000, $20,000 per unit, and a few months that we took away from our painting business in order to, to make that happen. You know, I think everybody learns the most on their first deal, and there were you know, a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges, but by the end, it came together very well. So we ended up buying it for one seventy. dollars We put $60,000 into it, and right now it rents for... We just did a short-term furnished rental, so that adds, it rents for close to $4,000 a month now. Wow, nice job, that's great. Thanks. I mean, yeah. a lot of people, some people might hear these numbers and think, oh, like, you know where I am, I can't buy a place for 170 but you guys, a lot of the time, a lot of the year now, you're not actually living where, you, where your property is, right? You're, you're traveling the world, so at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're buying. I mean, if somebody's living in a place and they can't buy in their city, you could buy somewhere else and manage it remotely, right? Yeah, it's true. At the time when we were buying the properties, we were in Windsor. Well, so. actually, the reason, too, that we came to Windsor is we saw what a good real estate market it was. And we ended up moving from Guelph back to Windsor purely because of that. And we yeah. you know, had that belief, too, that we had to be where we needed to be at first. And so that was the reason we kind of jumped to Windsor. But yeah, now, like you're saying, you can completely buy really anywhere in the world. That's one of the reasons I'm excited to be down here in the States is we're going to be starting to look into to these markets a lot, uh, a lot more. Yeah. So as long as you have a good team in place, like, so now we have property management helping us out in Windsor so that we don't need to be there all the time. Cause right now we're in Chicago, Matt's working on an Airbnb business with his good friend, which is going well. So we're kind of in uh, startup mode down in Chicago. And I myself has like, I'm a real estate agent as well in Windsor and I work with investors. And so I've set things up for myself where I can give my clients full service without having to be present. So I've got a team now in Windsor that does all the things that require a physical presence. And then most of the value I'm providing is just, you know, doing kind of analysis and strategy and things I can do on the phone and on the laptop. So we've kind of like, because we know that we like to travel, we like to move around, we like to try new things. We've set everything up with our real estate and with my work as an agent, we set things up so that we have that flexibility to, to move around. Cause yeah, we, we know that lifestyle is the number one priority. You know, we've got to be enjoying what we're doing, who we're spending time with because just to have money in the bank. I learned for a year there, I was just grinding, trying to make as much money as I could and, you know, did really well with the painting business, ended up breaking the all-time record and thinking, you know, I'd be super happy and satisfied. Then I realized, oh wait, I let the important things take, you know, back burner to my pursuit of making as much money as I could. And so it was that that really kind of taught the lesson 
You know, we need to make sure that we're setting things up around the life that we want to live. And so going forward there, now we just, uh, we work, like to say, you know, we work on our business. We, we've got the three different hats on. We've got our COO, CEO, CFO. Our goal and our value to our business partners, our investors, our clients is that we get to look at from a high level macro perspective to see what is best for everybody in the long term. And then we build a team around us to help us execute on those strategies and actions. That's, that's really neat. Like you guys talk a lot about raising, like increasing your income. And I think a lot of people in the financial independence community talk a lot about lowering their bottom line and kind of, you know, reducing their expenses so that they can retire at an earlier age. But it's neat how you guys have goals and then you reverse engineer them to afford the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, that is exactly what we do. Actually, we do a lot of reverse engineering. And the thing is, because so we do spend a decent amount of money on personal development, on seminars and things. But then on the other hand, like it's all about knowing what's important to you and what's what dollars are going to bring the most amount of satisfaction, right? Like there's a certain point where more dollars don't bring more satisfaction. And when it comes to spending too, right? It's like it doesn't make sense to spend money on things that aren't going to give you satisfaction. For example, like when it comes to clothes, I buy most of my clothes secondhand, first of all, because it's cheaper, second of all, because... I think there's way too many clothes on the planet. (laughs) So might as well buy some that other people don't want anymore. So there's certain things like we don't go out a lot. Well, we, we go out and do fun things, but we don't, you know, have expensive dinners out or things like that. We don't buy a lot of like alcohol, you know, we don't go shopping, whatever. So, but we do spend a lot of money on really good groceries. That's a priority for us because our health is really important to us. So we spend our money on good organic food, local produce, wherever possible, and personal development. Those are like the two biggest places we spend our money. Yeah, and I think one of the main things too is just having that abundance mindset. And just back to the millionaire mind thing is having positive associations to money, to making money and to spending money too. So they taught us a really great system that we use now to this day called the money jar system. And so for every single dollar that you make, you split it up into six different bank accounts. So you've got your necessities bank account, which typically is about half of your income where the goal is to get there. Now, most people, us included, started at like 80%. You know, we were spending almost as much money as we were making. And so the goal is to start investing more into your long term and into the important things. And it's by paying yourself first that you do that. So they said, number one is you have a financial freedom account. So for every dollar that comes into your bank account, you put 10 cents away to your financial freedom account. This is the golden goose, basically. You're going and you're investing it and you're never taking it out because one day that's going to be enough money that you can go and you know invest a serious amount into real estate or stocks. We just build that diversified portfolio and the income from that is the passive income that you're going to want for the rest of your life. So that is the number one thing. They said, always pay yourself first. So 10 cents goes there. 10 cents goes into your education fund, which is things like seminars, events, books, 10% going into play, having fun that you have to spend by the end of the month, even if uh, you don't feel like it or <laughs> by you know whatever time frame you want. Because you, again, it's really important to have that positive association to making money. And to saving money. And to saving, yeah. exactly. Five to 10% for giving 
Everybody that we look up to in the business world always talks about giving back, contribution, and a lot of people do so in a financial way as well as the message that they're sharing. So for people to set aside money to give to others, again, it just has that abundance mindset where subconsciously you're telling yourself, I've got more than enough money, giving it away. And that act of giving to others too is just very rewarding. And that positive feedback loop of just attaching good things to having money. It's like, even if I only have, I'm only bringing in a thousand dollars, I'm going to take 50 of those dollars and do something to benefit other people. When you do that from the beginning, like somebody said, what's going to be more difficult, giving away $5 out of a hundred or giving away 50,000 out of a million, million, right? So it's to start all those habits at the beginning. So that, that money jar system has been really useful for us. Yeah, there's two more there as well. One of them is long-term savings, but for spending. So if you're saving up for a new car, a new house. A wedding in our case. A wedding, yep, (laughs) next year. Then there are, and also that's where you go to paying off debt too. So if you do have that that long-term debt, and we had a lot of credit card debt, what we ended up doing is putting aside a little bit each month to chip away at that until it's fully paid off. And then there's one other account it's not coming to me right now, but there's something. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 I, I think you probably got them all covered. That really paints a great picture. So of that 10% that you're putting towards future education and reinvesting in yourself, any suggestions for our audience members who are maybe interested by the idea and wanting to dive into it? Any books or seminars or learning products you'd recommend they consider checking out? Yeah, so many. <laughs> Let me see though. My top personal development in general, I really love Brian Johnson and he has a podcast called Optimize. He's kind of shifted away from the podcast a little bit to his online community, which is amazing too. But if you go back to, if you go to his podcast and you go back to the early episodes and you can just explore around his website as well, that's been a great, great, great resource for me. So Brian Johnson, like he's all about setting up every single day so that you have an amazing life. Like just setting up each day, having those solid habits, positive habits, like the morning routine and getting your fundamentals in check and, you know, just all the little things that add up to your whole life, (laughs) like making sure those are all in a great place. So I highly recommend starting there and that can be free or you can pay $10 a month for his community and to access more of the things. And that lead, he also does synopses of other personal development and business books too. So that's super helpful. And then let's see. Tony Robbins for sure. I would say, for all the money that we've spent on seminars and events, that is up there at one of the top. We've gone there twice in the last couple of years, and each time we walk away just so fired up. And just again, that change in perspective, that transformation that happens, the world shows up differently. And it's really cool. We brought a couple of friends with us each time, and it's really cool to see the progress that we've all made from each of those events where. We, we all decided something at that event that was going to change in our lives. And just seeing that it is for, you know, dollar value, I'd say one of the best mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So I think somewhere around six or 700 bucks US for four full days, like 12, 15 hour days. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so for audience members that maybe aren't uh, familiar with Joni Robbins, there's an amazing documentary you can check out on Netflix, but do you guys mind maybe just painting a, a more in-depth picture of what actually experiencing a Tony Robbins events like? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of like a personal development rock concert (laughs) (laughs) slash party. It's actually a ton of fun, but you actually also get a lot done. It's really about kind of looking at all areas of your life and looking at what's holding you back in those different areas and kind of getting a perspective shift and as he says, a radical change in your physiology, because when you change your physiology, that changes your emotional state as well, which can then change, you know, how you're showing up. So, so we'll go from zero to a hundred really quickly. And he, he trains us all to do that from going from sitting down, listening to somebody talk for 20 to 30 minutes to telling everybody to stand up and then Blares the music and everyone's it's, just it's jumping. It's a rave. Yeah, like, it's crazy. <laughs> Which you know kind of sounds a little silly, but and it's it is such, at first. It is at first for the true. first couple hours. Everyone's like, "Oh, you want me to dance?" And like, "What are you talking? Hug people? No, nah, nah, I'm okay." <laughs> but uh, you know, it's such an amazing yeah. tool. Like, if I'm feeling like I don't feel like doing anything, or just feeling, you know, when you just feel kind of like in a slump or something, I know that all I have to do is stand up and just make a couple like big changes in my physiology. And all of a sudden I have this rush of energy because I've programmed that into my, into my body. It's like muscle memory now. So That's I know actually very turn it on. <laughs> I mean, especially in a world now where like, me- like uh, mental health is such a big issue. Like for you to be able to control that with such like, like at the snap of a finger is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. At, at these events, do you meet people and stuff as well? Like, is it a networking event of any sort or is it mostly listening and kind of in your head? It is like, so we met some great people at last Tony Robbins event. Actually, we met someone from Windsor, which was funny <laughs> in when we were in Chicago at Tony Robbins, but yeah, some networking, it's mostly the focus is on yourself and you know making some drastic changes in your own life but but about half of it really is interacting with other people it's sharing to your partner we got workbooks and so they'll ask you to write down you know what is what is a meaningful and a powerful life look like for you and what are the you know the habits that you know aren't good for you but you do them anyways and it's those kind of sharing with your partners it's you know speaking it out loud and putting it and on the table that really makes it really makes it great for everybody because then you realize hey everybody has issues everybody's struggling with stuff you know i'm not the only one and they'll even like ask the audience like hey who here at sometimes you know is afraid that they're not good enough or something they'll like just let everybody will put their hand up or you know who here is you know someone that that really likes to to give back and contribute and just seeing that Everybody at their core is you know, very similar in a lot of ways. We just go about things differently because of our programming, our conditioning, the way that we were raised, and the way that we perceive what happens in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it was, there is some networking, but it's not, not your typical kind of networking. Yeah, it's more like you just get really deeply connected to the people sitting all around you oh, rather yeah. than like... Yeah, by the end, yeah. you're hugging and crying and it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. 
Well, that's really cool. I think like even in my own day-to-day life, I think I've just met people and talked to people and, and, you know, eventually when people open up, everyone's got the things they're struggling with. And I mean, when you're on social media and stuff like that, you don't really, you don't really think that's what's happening, but everybody's struggling with something. And if they aren't, then they're internalizing it and they they just haven't started struggling with it yet. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So on the networking note, like you guys started up a meetup group called Wind City in Windsor. So what kind of sparked the idea behind that? So when we moved back down to Windsor to start investing in real estate, we knew just from going to Rich Dad, like we knew how powerful that networking experience was for us. And they do cash flow board game meetups there. And we had gone to a couple. So when we went back to Windsor, we looked on like on meetup and looked around and we couldn't find any networking groups like real estate investors groups. And so we started a cash flow game, cash flow board game night. And that's what it started as because at that point we didn't quite have the confidence to like be the presenters, you know? So all we had to do is be the facilitators, just have everyone come out. We're going to play this board game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then it kind of just naturally transitioned like every, so we would do it every month. And this started three years ago now, every month. And every month it would transition into a little bit more of us talking because people would start asking us questions. And there'd be more and more people more coming people and coming. more conversations happening. Yeah. So the, the board game part became a smaller and smaller portion of our meeting and then we started inviting guest speakers and now it's mostly about yeah bringing great speakers to educate the group and about the group connecting with each other and sharing resources so it's really cool how it's transformed but that's where most of our deals and opportunities have come from is that network yeah i think we've seen a lot of that here as well with london on fire it's it's kind of immeasurable the amount of value that's that's happening in the exchange that's going on between these people like mm-hmm. I, I could name any one person and and they probably met somebody else throughout the meetup and or th- through the group that they're now in business ventures with and it's a lot of life-changing things happen when when these all these like-minded people get together yeah and it's a really rewarding thing like seeing the people who there's some people who have been coming to the meetings from the beginning and seeing them go from having zero experience and hardly any knowledge about real estate to like now having a portfolio of four or five properties in a couple of years. And, you know, to know that you've had a role in that is a really exciting thing. It's really rewarding. Yeah. And so one question I did want to ask you guys as well, you've mentioned the importance of team a few times and the impact your mentor Corey had on you guys. A question I get all the time from my audience is, how do you start that relationship? How do you find a mentor? So do you guys have any tips or tricks for audience members on how to approach finding a mentor or how to initiate that relationship? Sure. Yeah. So, well, I think number one, the most important thing before you start looking for a mentor is to know that you want to make sure you're learning from someone who has the kind of life that you want. So there's other people that I've seen that have had quite a bit of success doing things like real estate investing. But if I look at their life overall, like, you know what, that's not the kind of lifestyle I want to have. So it's really important to, to like, to find someone that has the all around life that you're looking for. And then, and yeah, it might take a couple people to really fill that in because you don't want to be the exact same as as your mentor in every single way. So you start looking for people in other areas too, that you just 
you just want to, to be around. And the more you hang around people that are up to some amazing things, like you said, Kellen, you know, you are really close to the, the five people that you hang around with uh, a lot. It kind of shapes who you become. So for us, it was, yeah, just knowing knowing what we wanted, knowing really why we wanted it, and then just expressing that to somebody that has had success. Like, hey, you know, really do admire what you've managed to do. I'm, you know, a student, always a student, and would just really love any advice or tips or anything that you think could, you know, help me start taking those those first steps. And yeah, and it's about developing a relationship, yeah, right? Not just much. finding someone and going up to them and saying like, hey, I want you to like, I want to learn from you. Yeah. You know, it's really about building a relationship first. And, you know, it almost, I think it just kind of happens naturally at that point. Like, yeah, you, know, you start learning from them. And-, and then when we started taking a look for paid mentors, like the ones that charge a decent amount for that, that was mostly through referrals. Yeah. We asked other people that we knew had some coaches. And so for, for our coach right now, we have someone who is doing a little bit of everything. And it's, it's amazing. He's working on a $1.5 billion deal right now. He's developing condos in Belize. He's running self-storage. He's doing a lot of stuff. He runs a st- chain of restaurants. Chain of restaurants. A, 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 a the pool largest development company. fiberglass pool company. Like, he's in his mid-50s and he's just kind of seen it all. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's a lot of fun. He's really, really just all about you know giving back to other people as well. He doesn't charge nearly as much as some of the other people we were looking for. And the only reason we found him was actually funny enough, Matt, at, uh, at Oric, we got connected with our friend Ryan. Uh, we first met him there and we started talking with him a little more and we knew he had a coach and we asked him, Hey, we want a coach. Would you recommend your guy? And he said, no, actually I found somebody that's, that's even better. Go check this guy out. I've heard great things. Haven't used him yet. But we ended up sitting down for coffee and right away, sometimes you just know, yep, this is right. Whatever it is, it's like just the way they are, the way that uh, you feel around them. And so instantly we knew this is our guy. This is the coach that we want to have. So it was through both networking and referrals that we found not only our coaches, but also that's usually how we find which events we go to as well. I know that was a question you asked, Matt, a little Mm -hmm. bit ago was mostly through recommendations and then also through coincidences. So just like it was kind of a coincidence, we met Ryan at the event. We were about to leave and then I saw these guys over in the corner. I was like, I'll just go say hi to them. And it's like one thing led to another, led to another. And yeah, now we've you know, got an amazing coach. A lot of our life happens through coincidences. Yeah, just about everything. Yeah. Well, I think it's opening yourself up to these opportunities. Exactly. Like, there's opportunities everywhere and, and it's just recognizing them and taking advantage of them. Yeah, it's so true. And there's like, there is something to be said to laser focus. However, there's also something to be said about being able to also stay open. It's like, yeah, being focused when you need to be focused, but then otherwise keeping an open mind and trying new things, exploring new opportunities. And, you know, because Sometimes if you're too laser focused and you're just blocking everything else out, then, you know, a lot of really great opportunities pass you by without even realizing. And things almost never go according to plan. So we think things might turn up a certain way and then life throws at us something completely different. But if you're really committed to that vision and you know what you want to do, you know what you want to give to this world and who you want to be, then everything you do with that theme in the background will push you towards that. And so it doesn't have to be a specific way or tactic or focus, but as long as you're 
moving forward, you're saying yes to things, you're you know, doing so with values, with principles, and you can't really go wrong, you know? Yeah. It's hard to go wrong in life, I've learned, <laughs> you know, because yeah. no matter what, you can bounce back from it. I just really want to build upon that idea of the happenstance, you know? I would say the same thing's very true of my life, but that being said, when you really take the 10,000 foot look at or view of and get some perspective, you realize essentially that it's you're putting yourself in front of dozens of opportunities every chance you get. And it's just essentially like law of large numbers. One of those is going to turn out to be a great opportunity. Exactly. And that's what something like, you know, networking at OREC is, you know, I'm sure Ryan wasn't the first person you spoke to there. It just, he happened to be one of the last people, right? And so mm-hmm. essentially you speak to 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand people and eventually your network's just going to grow. And from that, your, your exposure to opportunities just grows exponentially as you grow your network. So I just really wanted to hit that home for the listeners that there's a ton of value in attending, whether it's paid or free networking events, just put yourself out there. You may go to one, you may get discouraged at the first one, you may get no value from it. But long term, you go to enough of them or you host enough of them and you will absolutely reap tons of value. Yeah. And, and I think Matt's talked about on his YouTube channel, the idea of in-person meetups versus online. I think a lot of people, they think they're networking because they're on Instagram and Facebook. And that definitely is, a, is an important part of this. But in person, get together with people for coffee, go to these meetup groups where there's dozens of people, talk to them, talk to them about people they know and get together with them and just expose yourself to these people. Because these people are going to have opportunities. Maybe they want to work with you. And, and you'll find people that just naturally work well with you, right? You'll find someone that has a similar personality. And it's like, oh, I want to spend more time with this person. And then you end up with a blurry line of like, are we, are we hanging out as friends or are we working right now? And, and mm-hmm. it, makes, it makes work a lot more fun. Totally. And along that line, like kind of a bit of a a tip I would say for people when they're thinking about networking and especially making specific connections with like if there's somebody, a group or a person that they specifically want to connect with. Just what I've noticed myself when people reach out to me just online, it's great to make that connection. But if we had met in person, you know, like, for example, sometimes people reach out to me and say, hey, if you ever come across any good deals, send them to me because I'm looking <laughs> to buy something. I've never met yeah. this person. And I, you know, it's great that they reached out. That's a good step. But next time I come across a good deal, they're not going to be the first person I think of. The first person I think of is the person I've seen, I've sat down and had some good conversations with and who I've kept in regular contact with. So I think a lot of times people think that networking is like meeting as many people as possible, which yeah, it's good to meet a lot of people, but it's also about what kind of connection do you make? How like, and how deep of a connection did you make with those people? Absolutely. People like to do business with people they like. Yeah. It's like this really underrated portion of business. Like yeah, people people don't want to do business with you if they don't enjoy working with you. It can literally come down to just you have you both like to snowboard, and at the end of the day, that that's the person you end up doing business with because you just you had a common you had something in common. You enjoy talking to them. Yeah, for sure. So back to the real estate. So you guys ended up scaling up a little bit since then. You had three properties at the time. Where are you guys at right now? And and what like what are some of the strategies that have worked well for you? I know that you know. You, you're both investors. Cassidy's been like the active agent in the in the partnership there, and like you know what? How how have you guys been managing these things, and what's been some of the successes you've had along the way? 
Sure. So yeah, that first year we got four properties. The uh, next year- I, I believe we got three at that time. And that was also the same time oh, yeah. that we ran a record-breaking painting business, had 30 employees. And once again, we kind of burnt ourselves out a little bit. We've, we went, we've gone in the past opposite extremes. So we finally found like a really nice life balance, but it was through making the mistakes of working really hard or needing a lot of time off. So actually after that year of running the painting business, of buying those properties, renovating them, we again took a pretty extended vacation. We did four months up in North Bay. And so that was just a really nice time to chill, really focus on you know developing, developing ourselves further, really got into meditation and got into you know health and nutrition. And I find any time that we take a lot of time off, or at least even just a, a small vacation, which small to us is like a couple of weeks, anytime we take some amount of time off, we always come back way more fresh. And so when I look at all the major trips that we've done over the years, it was right afterwards that things just kind of stepped up to the next level. So there definitely is something to be said about really taking the time for yourself to take uh, whatever that is. Whether Take a it's step travel. back and get some perspective. Yeah, and, you know, really get your vision. Because it's one thing clear. to be climbing up the ladder, but you wanna you wanna be climbing up the right ladder. So you know, it's the difference between being efficient and being effective. You know, you can be doing something really well, but are you doing the right thing? So each time that we've taken those you know, times to really just take a step back, we come back with kind of a new fire, new energy. And so like the first one after the bike trip, we got into real estate, did a few properties. The next one after afterwards was the North Bay. And then that's when we came back and we really started to scale. We're like, okay, we know this real estate thing works. Let's start raising money from other people now. We've done it really well with our parents, got a great track record of success, and we've got the teams in place. Now let's start doing more like, you know, more of a consistent purchasing of properties. So that year when we came back from North Bay, I believe we did eight deals. Pretty wow. sure. We can't, we lose track. Awesome. <laughs> Seven or eight. Seven or eight. And we almost did, I, again, I love to try a bunch of different things so that I can be really clear with what works well for me. If I don't try out a bunch, I might be, you know, not even aware of, what I'm missing out on. So we've tried just about every deal that we can think of. We've done lease options. We've done buy and hold, flipping, wholesaling, commercial, doing Airbnb, other short-term rentals. So we've tried out all the different approaches so that we can kind of narrow it down after seeing what we like doing and what where our strengths kind of put us in our business. So that year, we just, yeah, we just tried a bunch, tried a bunch of stuff. We <laughs> bought, I'm losing track of them now. <laughs> I, some single family. We bought some single family. Oh yeah, we got into private lending too. Because oh, this is what we did. We uh, flipped a duplex, and it was a great deal. Found it off market. It was a duplex for eighty thousand. The vendor was willing to pay, was willing to hold a sixty thousand dollar mortgage, and all we needed to pay her was twenty thousand for the down payment. And then we also needed about ten thousand dollars to renovate it. And we knew the after repair value was somewhere around 110, 120. And so, yeah, we flipped that. We raised money from other people and gave them 50% of the profits. And we ended up turning that thing around in a couple months and, or it's more like four or five months. And then after that time, we had made the investors over 120% annual return on their money. Hmm. Hey, great for them. Great for us. It was excellent. 
But for the amount of work that we put into this, we walked away with about ten to 12,000, which again, really happy with, couldn't have done the deal without them at that time, but realized it would have been way cheaper just to buy the whole house on a credit card. So <laughs> that's what got me thinking about, okay, maybe we don't need to give up equity all the time. If there's a really good deal and we have the means, we have people that just want a fixed return on their income, we can start using private money lenders. So it was that experience that kind of led us to start buying some properties just with pure vendor takebacks. So we bought a couple single family homes. It just comes back to like the power of relationships. We got one of the best deals possible on a vendor take back. It was a 98% VTB at 0% <laughs> interest. Name your mortgage payment. It was like the best. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. 2% um, down, zero interest. Eh? That's good. Yeah, $400 a month payments. And we rented for 14. Yeah, it's incredible. But and, that's just the power of network again, power of relationships. This is from who's, he's now a good friend of ours, but he started as, actually started as a client of mine. I sold a house for him. And then he was having some tenant troubles. Yeah. We helped him out with his tenant troubles and it was just like, we just basically provided a lot of value for him for free just because we wanted to help him out. Cause he was a nice guy. We helped him with his tenant problems. And then we figured let's, he had a couple more properties he wanted to sell. One needed renovations and one had a bad tenant. So we thought, okay, we'll take these problems off your hand. Would you consider holding a mortgage for us? And that's what it turned into. Yeah, it was one of those Tim Hortons negotiations on a scrap piece of paper. I, I kept it because I still love looking at that. Just, uh -huh. you know, here's the price, here's the monthly payment, here's the down payment. And we'd be going back and forth, scratching them off, having a good time, laughing, joking around at the same time, you know, negotiating for tens of thousands of dollars. By the end of it, yeah, we walked away with, with two new properties and the first ones that we bought completely ourselves. So that was kind of rewarding. Up till then, everything had been joint venture. Yeah, we'd gone on to do a sandwich lease option with him. We ended up buying another duplex and a four-unit commercial building with my parents that year. And I started wholesaling a couple properties myself. Wow, that's a lot of different strategies. And, and you're talking about like doing these deals at Tim Hortons on a napkin. I think like people might underestimate how, how candid these negotiations can be, when, especially when you're working with friends or even if you just develop a good relationship with the person you're, you're buying off of or you're working with. Like... These, these things end up being really candid. You're sitting down, you're just talking, and then you kind of come to an agreement. And usually, I mean, in a perfect world, it's always a win-win. You're both happy. And it's not so, I don't know, it's not, as, it's not like the business world you might see on TV or something. Like, you're not sitting there with a lawyer and, like, you know, signing your life away. You're just talking and finding out what works well for, for both of you, right? Totally. And to just really try and get an understanding, like, okay, what do you need? You know, like, what's going to work for you? And yeah. Like, yeah, people, yeah, people are open because why not? Why wouldn't they be right? They, you know, they have no reason to yeah. you know, not express that to you. So yeah, yeah. So the best negotiation is like, how can we help you? Great. What, what, what do you need to have happen for this deal to make sense? Like, okay, where does that leave us now? Can we make a business deal out of it? If yes, perfect. Let's do it. It's in both of our best interests. If not, no biggie. There's always more deals out there. And one of the lessons too, we learned there's always more money out there too. We don't need to partner with anybody that's willing to give us money because at that point, or now at least at this point, there's, there's a lot of people and we got to you know, really kind of narrow it down to who, who do we enjoy working with? Who is it that 
you know, when we think about them, we're just like, yes, I'm so glad that I'm partnered with this person on these deals because, you know, business partnerships really are kind of like a marriage and, you know, through the, through the good and the bad, you got to be able to really just connect well with each other as human beings. So, yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into our fire four, where's the next place you guys are planning on traveling? Ooh. Well, good question. So we have, our wedding is going to be happening about a year from now. Ah, Thank you. We know that. Only took a decade. Yeah, it only took a decade. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're pretty young still, so it's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We go slow and fast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we know that after our wedding, we want to take an extended honeymoon. We're thinking maybe like, Thailand, Bali, Bali, maybe South America, something That's like awesome. that. But in the more short term, it's looking like we're probably going to end up going out the California way before Ooh. too long. That's where it's looking like the Airbnb business is going to be taking us. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, we, we just know that we want to be able to travel at any time, knowing that our business is there. And if we need to, we can just hop on a plane if we're needed in person somewhere. But travel and adventure, at least before we have kids, we know that's that's a pretty big priority for us over the next few years. So we want to be able to just set things up and be have the ability to be spontaneous. That's awesome, guys. So let's dive into the fire four. So the first question is, what are you grateful for? Mm. Well, number one for me is I'm grateful for Matt and our relationship. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really amazing thing. And just everything that, like everything that we do together, we both know that we've always got each other's backs. So he's my rock. And I know that anything I want to do, like if I want to, if I want to pursue something that's outside of what we've been doing that I feel passionate about, I know that I always have his 100% support and that we're always pushing each other to grow, but we're also always there to just, you know, to just be a support for each other. So, yeah. That's great. I think, what's the phrase I heard? Grateful, but never, never enough kind of thing. Or like grateful, but never settling kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that was another distinction that we got to at Landmark is, you know, you never really want to know somebody because as soon as you you really know them, you you kind of limit them to that way of being. But if our leader there said, I never want to know my wife, I want to discover her. So every day. Every yeah. day be open to discovering somebody and their possibility of being versus, you know, this is who they are kind of seeing them with fresh eyes because yeah not not getting too attached to your your ideas about how the other person is yeah yeah did matt say what he was grateful for yet i forget yeah (laughs) so of course i am so incredibly grateful for gas everything (laughs) that to avoid repeating all of that also really just grateful for the the other people in our lives that make life enjoyable make everything that we've been able to do possible and you know if we hadn't met or if we hadn't connected with every single person that's we have in our life we wouldn't be where we are today so that's you know that's that's everybody and some really great friendships have come from being in business being in you know an abundance mindset and just again having those coincidences and and going with it like that's how we got connected with both of you and really since since Oric things have really started changing for us too in a in a really big way. So if it wasn't for you guys, 
then, you know, we probably wouldn't even be doing what we're doing today. And like, and that's in the span of, you know, a few months. So really I'm grateful for you guys. (laughs) Thank you. I I appreciate that. All right. So switching up a bit, the opposite sort of, what is a guilty pleasure of yours or something you can't live without? Maybe something you spend a bunch of money on that other people would be like, what are these people spending this money on? Books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, All right. We got to give a a good one here. Let's see. Um, um, sometimes we're weird. We just do Harry Potter marathons. We we, <laughs> we love, Harry, love Potter. Harry Potter. Like just something about the books and the magic behind that. It's one of the so, things we connected over. Yeah. So we've probably read all the Harry Potter books five or six times, watched all the movies about the same. Yeah. And once in a while we just stay up all night and watch Harry Potter for yeah. about like what, 24 hours Something straight? like that. <laughs> we were actually on TV being at an opening for uh, Harry Potter, and we were like the only ones dressed up. <laughs> so. I, you know, sometimes people say they're showing their age in a bad way, but you guys are showing your age in a very different way. How, how old are you guys? Because I don't, just to give the audience some context. Oh, we're 25. 25. It's, it's crazy what you guys have done in that Absolutely. time. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing. So moving on from guilty pleasures, is there a frugality tip or a life hack that you'd like to share with the audience? Mm. Well, the one that's really helped us out financially just goes back to that money jar system. And it's first, the whole millionaire mind all came to be from T. Harv Ecker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. So I would say if there's anything you know, frugality and money-wise that's made the biggest impact on me, it would be that book and that seminar. And yeah. then... One other thing I would say is in terms of travel, like I know a lot of people have it in their mind. They want to do some traveling, but they think they need they need to save up a bunch of money to do any traveling. It's actually, it can be way cheaper than you think. So for example, when we were traveling in India, like things are actually really cheap and it's not, you don't need a lot of money to get around there. You can be spending the same or less money than you would be spending at home while you're traveling around and having some adventures. Yeah, if you want to travel, but you think it's too expensive, think again and go check out some cheap countries. That's awesome. I I just got back from Iceland and then the flight there was super cheap. But then when I got there, everything was super expensive. And I mean, totally an amazing place. Definitely recommend people going there. I slept in a camper van. We cooked a lot of our own food. But like, if you want to get a beer in Reykjavik, the capital, it's $12 to $20 Canadian. So like, yeah, it really made me want to go and travel these places where you can get 50 cent beers on a beach. Oh, yeah. 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 So the fourth one is, what would the hero of your own movie do in your life right now? So if you guys were in a movie and the main character was you, what would you be rooting for that character to do right now? Ooh. Whoa, that is an amazing question. I've never heard that before. You go first. <laughs> well. So right now they're asking themselves, what would Harry Potter do? <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Hop well, on my broomstick. It's hard for me to say kind of like what I'm doing, I guess. Like I don't, because I kind of, I don't ask myself that question, but I ask myself a very similar question on a very regular basis. Like what does my ideal life look like? Like what do I really want to be doing? And then I just, do it so yeah i don't know, I know. That's a good one. <laughs> same kind of thing it's very similar questions like what would my ideal self do in this moment and trying to ask that question as much as possible so i would say it's what we're doing but without all the distractions and negative self-talk at least for me that i still have going in there so it's doing on our on our path and 
going going faster with more brevity. And maybe living in a treehouse at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. cool. <laughs> oh, we just want to get an RV at some point. Guys, if you're interested, we're going to fractional ownership of an RV at some point. We are going to be buying an RV with multiple people and then living each person having a section out of the year where they can go and have that RV. So we want to be living in an RV soon. Yes. Uh, that's, that's what our success is. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that too now. I like that. Perfect. All right. We'll hit you up when we, uh, when we figure out this next business here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for being on the show. Before we wrap up, we always like to have our guests ask the audience a question. So did you guys have a question you wanted to ask? Well, I like the question Matt just mentioned a minute ago about, it's more of a question to ask yourself, which is what would my best self do in this situation? And also what would my best self be doing like in life in general on a daily basis? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And then, so if people want to get in contact with you, if audience members want to reach out, what's the best way for them to reach out? Instagram, YouTube, I do have a YouTube channel. Thanks to you, Matt. You told me to do it and I did. (laughs) (laughs) So you can find me on YouTube. Just search Cassidy Logsdon, L-O-G-S-D-O-N. And also on Facebook, if you're interested in connecting with the Wind City Investors Club at all, if you're interested in real estate in the Windsor area, you can just search Wind City Investors Club on Facebook and join the group there. And that's probably the best way. Awesome. We'll get you on Instagram someday. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm there, but I'm not really there. I know you're not really there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you guys joining the podcast. This was an awesome episode. Thank you guys. Thanks so Thank much. You. That was another great episode. I love Madden casting. I love getting to spend time with them. And recently, actually, I got the opportunity to spend more time with them. And so you guys maybe don't realize it, but this episode was actually shot probably a couple months before this intro is being updated because life happens. That's why we did that whole episode for you guys earlier that just came out. But in essence, what they're up to now, they've started an Airbnb startup. So it's a business essentially, you know, renting out properties and then re-renting them out on Airbnb. It's obviously more complicated than that, but they found a really unique niche and they're doubling down on it. They actually just got angel financing on it. So they'll be blowing that up massively. And I expect it'll become a home brand name within a couple years. And I'm excited to continue to follow along with them on their journey and just kind of see what the future holds for them. Yeah, there's something that's just really inspiring about these guys. I love how what they do is they set large chunks of time aside for travel and they just seem to enjoy the journey along the way. They, they also budget a lot for business and mindset events. And I actually had the pleasure of speaking with them and sitting down with them at V2018 in Vegas. And they seem to really just have some very genuine goals, both in their business and their personal life. Cassidy, she somehow always manages to do this morning routine. And like so many other successful people, she's really inspired me to do the same. Along with another guest, Max, who's going to be on the next episode. And at the time of the recording, he was 19 years old and he had already flipped almost 200 cars while in school. And while you're waiting for that episode, jump over to our London on Fire Facebook community or follow us on Instagram at On Fire Podcast. And make sure to tune into the next On Fire Podcast to meet more people, hear their stories, and learn from their mistakes. If you can just take a second to click the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on, it helps let the provider know that you're enjoying the content, which helps us out. Thanks for listening. This is Matt and Kellen signing off. And until next episode, remember, being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy. And always remember what Kevin Sistrom said. If you've got an idea, start today. There's no better time than now to get going. 
That doesn't mean quit your job and jump into the idea 100% from day one, but there's always small progress that can be made to start the movement. 